We must approach the Bible with a posture of humility so that we do not allow our assumptions and privilege to force the Bible into being something it is not. We must adapt to it, not the other way around. You're listening to a message at Grace Church of Alma, a place where the curious, bored, and discouraged can journey together toward a full life with Jesus. Last week, Pastor Devin kicked off this series, How to Read the Bible. How to Read the Bible. It's a series, I think, that we're going to be revisiting probably annually uh, to go deeper and deeper each time, right? And we're really just kind of scratching the surface right now. Uh, But the focus in Pastor Devin's message was on understanding the purpose of the Bible, right? A book about why. And how understanding the purpose of the Bible, learning what it's actually for, uh, will help us learn to use it well. Amen? Cool. Did you all get to hear that one? Very cool. Uh, I'd also like to remind you that you uh, can text Bible questions to our hotline, 479-310-6763. we got a new podcast on the horizon, and we'd love to feature some of your questions. Uh, And we'll even keep it anonymous if you want us to. Yeah? All right. So, but what even is the Bible? What is it? Who wrote it? When did they write it? Why are there so many translations? How do we relate to it? This week, we're going to answer the question of how to read the Bible by diving into some of these kinds of questions. We're going to do this by learning three key ways that we should approach and interact with the Bible if we're really going to begin to understand it. Cool? Uh, But before we jump into all that, I feel a need to tell you a couple of things about myself. Number one, I love the Bible. Okay? I love the Bible. I love it so much that I went 40,000 plus into debt studying it. Like, as much as some of you guys like fishing, I like the Bible, okay? And I have devoted my life to helping Christians wrestle with the Bible in the context of a local church. The Bible is serious business for me. Number two, I believe the Bible. I promise. I believe the Bible. While I have had many opinions and theological ideas come and go over the years, my belief that the Bible is true has never wavered. I love the Bible. I believe the Bible. Okay? All right. You're like, what's he going to say? So with that disclaimer out of the way, let's jump in. What is the Bible? For starters, the Bible is not a book. It is a library. A library. A collection of 66 books written by numerous people across thousands of years. There's 39 books in the Old Testament. There's 27 in the New Testament. Yeah? Unless you're Catholic, there's 73. Or Anglican. Or 
if you're Eastern Orthodox, there's 76. Or if you're an Ethiopian Orthodox, there's 84. I don't know about y'all, but if more is better, we Protestants got the short end of the stick on that one. <laughs> but beyond that basic concept, right, that, the, that the, the Bible is a library, you and I have a problem. I mean, let's be honest, we've got lots of problems, right? But specifically, we have a problem with the Bible. Raise your hand if you ever said something like, I try to read the Bible, but it's just so hard to understand. Yes, thank you for your honesty, Grace Church. Why do you think that is? Have you ever said, it's just too complicated? Have you ever said, I'm just not smart enough? Well, you're right. It is, and you are not. But neither am I. And that's not really the problem anyway, okay? There are professional biblical scholars who have devoted their entire lives to studying the Bible who cannot agree on much beyond the basics, okay? Really, really smart people. It's not about your smarts. They have views and interpretations as varied as the hairstyles in Japanese cartoons. They call that anime, by the way. And it's awesome. I love anime. Like, really. Really love anime. Ask my wife. Uh, one of my favorites is a show called My Hero Academia. And you guys uh, with teenagers or preteens can say, hey, Pastor Zach talked about My Hero Academia today. And they're going to go, yeah. So most anime begin their life as Japanese comic books called manga. Manga, yeah. Learning something today. How cool. Any of your kids have these? Manga, yeah. One or two, three, four, maybe. All right. Uh, maybe you've picked one up off of the counter or at a bookstore, cracked it open, and were immediately extremely confused. It's like they're talking in reverse. Turn the page, and it's like you're going back in time. What's happening here? Why are they telling this story backwards? Well, your kid walks up, flips it over, hands it back to you, and says, you're reading it backwards. Right? Yeah. Japanese-style books go right to left instead of left to right. Uh, you start where you would normally call the back of the book, and you work your way to what you normally think of as the front. Yeah? Your problem is that you didn't know what you were holding. You didn't know how to use it because you didn't understand what it is. Yeah? And in one simple aha moment, you gained so much clarity, and you could begin to make sense of it. Maybe even enjoy it. Don't knock it till you try it. Good stuff. But don't get me wrong, this is an understandable mistake to make. Your entire life, you've been reading books a certain way, the right way, left to right. And you bring that assumption with you to everything you read. Amen? And this works just fine for you because, well, 
almost everything you read is written by English writers writing with you, the English reader, in mind. Yeah? But now you know. You know that when you see a book with Japanese characters and wild hairstyles, you probably ought to turn it over and read it a different way. But it's not safe to assume your normal way of reading is going to work for you here. You follow me? And that's the point. We have to learn what the Bible is so that we can pick it up the right way, so that we can approach it with the proper posture. And that proper posture is one of humility. We must approach the Bible with humility. And this gets to the heart of our problem. We don't read with humility when we bring our assumptions about the way a book ought to be read to the book and force it into those assumptions. We have to adapt to it, not the other way around. And it's not really your fault. We're often not even aware of our assumptions, especially our assumptions about something as mundane as how to read a book. Yeah? You see, the Bible is just familiar enough to not throw us off when we crack it open. It's not like the Japanese manga you found on the kitchen counter that forces you into this cognitive dissonance until you start doing it right. All right? You've probably been around the Bible your entire life in some form or another. Of course, it is familiar. And the words are even in English. And it reads left to right, the right way. Yeah? But again, this is why we miss it. We have to read with humility because the simple fact is that the Bible was not written to us. The Bible was written to someone else, to someone's else. The Bible was not written by English writers writing with you, the English reader, in mind. That doesn't mean it isn't for us. It doesn't mean that it can't be useful to us. But it does mean that we're never going to read it properly until we take the time to get to know who it was written to. And step one on that journey is to ask ourselves, what are my assumptions. That conversation can take us months, honestly. Uh, but we can scratch the surface by asking questions about who we are and who they were. Follow? Most of us, on the whole, live pretty comfortable lives. Yes, we all have challenges, suffering, all the things. But on the whole, generally speaking, we have pretty comfortable lives. We are citizens of a global superpower. Yeah? We were born into the most powerful nation the world has ever seen. A military and economic giant. And relatively speaking, we are pretty well off when compared to most people throughout human history. And given the annual median household income worldwide is less than $10,000, we're better off than even most people alive today. 
We, through no fault of our own, come to the Bible from a position and posture of comfort, power, and privilege. Yeah? But what about them? The history of the people of the Bible, the people it was written to, the Hebrew people, or Israel, is one of slavery, exile, displacement, occupation. This is not a book written to the comfortable, powerful, and privileged. It is a book that tells the story of Egypt from the perspective of slaves. It is a book that tells the story of Babylon from the perspectives of exiled people. It is a book that tells the story of the Roman Empire from the perspective of the occupied. This is a book about the comfortable, powerful, privileged, written to the enslaved, exiled, and occupied. To really drive this home, I want you to imagine what a book called The History of the United States would look like if it were written by Native Americans and African slaves. You get it? And don't misunderstand me. There's nothing inherently wrong with being who we are, who you are. We had no control over that. We just popped into the world one day. But we must approach the Bible with a posture of humility so that we do not allow our assumptions and privilege to force the Bible into being something it is not. We must adapt to it, not the other way around. So, on top of not living the experience of an oppressed or enslaved person in ancient Egypt, Babylon, or Rome, uh, and unless we are fluent in the language and culture of ancient Hebrew, Aramaic, or Greek, we can't even read the original text. We are necessarily relying on the efforts of linguists, translators, historical scholars to relay that text to a language and time that we do understand, modern English. You've never even read the Bible unless you speak Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. You've read someone's translation of the Bible. Right away, there's a separation there, a language barrier. And because of this language barrier, number two, we have to read the Bible carefully. We have to read the Bible with humility, and we have to read the Bible carefully. One of the phrases I hear a lot among Christians that just irks me to my core is, the Bible clearly says, one, no, it doesn't. The modern English translation that you read may appear to say a lot of things, but rarely does it do it clearly. I'll remind you of the professional scholars who've devoted their entire lives to this task who still do not agree about what the Bible clearly says. And two, given the number of times the 12 men closest to Jesus were utterly confused by Jesus' words and deeds, it is probably pretty far-fetched for us to assume, there's that word again, we who aren't Aramaic or Greek-speaking uh, first-century Jewish farmers and fishermen living in Judea will ever readily understand him either. 
And that's just the Gospels. We have even less in common with the people, place, and time of the Old Testament. So on top of being aware of the social aspect we just finished talking about that requires humility, we also need to be aware of the Bible's use of language in the world as they understood it. Things like literary genre, narrative, metaphor, idiom, and even the use of numbers are all so important to really grasping the text. So let me give you an example. This is what they thought the world looked like in the ancient Near East. It's one of my favorite pictures. I think so. The time of the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, this is what the people of the world thought the world they inhabited looked like. Pretty wild, right? Flat earth, surrounded by waters, both above and below, with an expanse separating the waters and dry ground in between. I want you to lock that image into your mind. And then go home today and read Genesis 1 again and feel your brain melt out of your head. You're like, oh, wow, that's exactly what it says. It's how it's described. But wait, Pastor Zach, didn't you say you believe the Bible is true? Yes, I do. Even though I know that is not an accurate depiction of what the world looks like. But that's not the point of Genesis 1. What is? Ooh. Yeah? If digging into stuff like that, by the way, uh, sounds interesting to you, I do want to encourage you to sign up for formation school. We've been talking about it for a while. It starts in a couple of weeks. One of the classes is understanding the Bible, and we go pretty deep on some of these things. Uh, if you're interested, Church Center app, sign up, or come see me at the info desk after service. But here's the point. Every time we read the Bible, we have to wrestle with the fact that these people had a worldview all of their own, and it's very, very different from ours. Every time we read the Bible, we are encountering a worldview radically different from the one that we have. The way that we walk around and do and be in this world is very different than they did. But the problem is that we don't know and recognize that. We assume and we bring these assumptions that they think and live and move in this world just like we do, and we wind up imposing our own worldview onto the text. One of my favorite Christian scholars, one of our favorite Christian scholars, N.T. Wright, says it this way. He says, for too long, we have read Scripture with 19th century eyes and 16th century questions. It's time to get back to reading with 1st century eyes and 21st century questions. He's talking specifically about reading Paul there in Theology of Justification, but it holds true for all of the Scriptures. So, this seems like an insurmountable task. How are we ever supposed to understand the Bible on our own, given the vast differences between me and the people it was actually written for? Hopeless. Well, good news. 
You can't read and understand the Bible on your own. Better news, you were never intended to. The only way we're ever going to maintain an awareness of the assumptions that we bring to the Bible is if we insist on interacting with the Bible together. We must interact with the Bible together. Submitting our thoughts, ideas, interpretations to each other to chew on, to wrestle with. And I don't just mean together like with your spouse or with your kids or even with your church. Okay? I mean together with all of the church, across all of time, geography, and tradition. You need to read the Bible with a Catholic from 1534. You need to read the Bible with an Eastern Orthodox priest from 980. You need to read the Bible with an African slave in 1845. How in the world am I supposed to do that? They all did, man. You read what they wrote. You step into their experience and learn to see the world and the Bible and our faith as they did. Broaden your horizon. And yes, you should also read the Bible with your spouse and your kids and your church too. And maybe even your neighbor. Have you ever seen the movie Blast from the Past? And Brendan Fraser and Christopher Walken, Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. So in 1962, Christopher Walken's character uh, believes nuclear war with the Soviet Union is imminent, right? And takes his pregnant wife into an underground nuclear fallout shelter in their backyard. And while down there, she gives birth to a baby boy named Adam, who is later played by Brendan Fraser. Adam lives his entire life with his family in this fallout shelter, watching reruns of I Love Lucy and The Honeymooners, and listening to Perry Como and Dean Martin. 35 years later, well, actually 37 years later, uh, their food is running short. So dad sends Adam out on a dangerous mission to find food in the 1990 line nuclear wasteland, right? Uh, and the rest of the film is this guy coping with a world that has literally left them behind. Yeah? Other movies like this or TV shows, uh, Impeccable Kimmy Schmidt, right? She was locked away. She was kidnapped, I think it was, for 14 years or something like that. Uh, Truman Show, yeah? Great movie. <laughs> Uh, but Adam didn't know how to get along in this new world because it was all so foreign to him. Yeah? He needed help. He needed a local step in and say, hey, man, it's like this. Here's the way. Alicia Silverstone, yeah? Life in a bunker will do that to you. And our challenge is to not bunker ourselves in out of fear of dis differences and disagreements. It is far too easy even with the internet and the vast amount of information out there today, for us to find ourselves in an echo chamber, like Twitter. That was supposed to be a joke. Only hearing people from within our own traditions and tribes and worldviews 
Like Adam watching reruns of I Love Lucy for 35 years, we are prone to reading the same opinions and reinforcing the ideas and assumptions that we already have. But we have to be intentional about finding and interacting with people who see and experience the world, the Bible, and our faith in radically different ways than we do. And this is my last point for the day. One sentence. We're done. Interacting with the Bible together will help us maintain an awareness of our assumptions so that we can approach the Bible with humility and read it.